So what are we doing? You heard that question before. What are we doing? We're making disciples. Would you disagree or agree? Okay. What are we doing? Making disciples. When our, when our infants are in the nursery and people are loving them and caring for them, what are we doing? Our treetops. Was there a lot of treetops this morning? It's your wife? Huh. We're going to pray. Everybody be praying for Amy. She's not by herself. The Holy Spirit's with her and, okay, okay. Um, the treetops go over and Amy and others over there serving, serving them this morning. What are we doing? Making disciples. We had a bake sale this morning. I got a bite of something. My grandson brought me a bite of something that was amazing. We have, we're selling baked goods in the lobby before church. What are we doing? We're making disciples. We're making heavier disciples. <laughs> Do you, do you follow, do you follow the, the question? We should be able to walk down and look at anything that we're doing and saying, what are we doing in that moment we are making disciples? Our second question is, why are we doing it? And the way that we have articulated the answer is because Jesus wants disciples. Jesus wants disciples. I, I believe confidently I can, can go out on a limb, if you, if you will, that phrase and say, more than anything else, Jesus wants disciples. He wants people to come to follow him by faith. He's not looking for people just to believe in him. We've heard it said because scripture tells us that even Satan believes. How could he not? How could he not? Jesus isn't wanting more to go, yeah, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I believe Jesus is real. Jesus wants disciples, people who have said, you are my everything, I'm going to follow you, I'm going I'm to leave the boats on the shore, so to speak, and I'm going to follow you. This question has been bouncing around in my head this week in the context of our text in, in Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 12. It, it caused me to, to do some self-examination because Jesus wants disciples. Here's the question that's bounced around in my head. Do I really know what Jesus wants? Do I have an intimate understanding and knowledge of what Jesus wants? Okay. And it, where, where I went first, though, brother, is I went to this to help me understand do, do I really know what my wife wants? And my answer, the conclusion was, this is a lifelong journey, and I'm glad to be on it. Because a woman can change. She can change anything she wants to. That's the right answer. <laughs> happy, man, happy wife, happy death. But it, it, it caused me to... And do I really know what Becky wants? And then it led me to this... this, this this listing of things, that in order for me to know what she really wants, then I, I need to be intentional about that. I can't make assumptions. I can't even say, well, I've been married for 37 years. Of course I know what my wife really wants, what's important to her, what she values, what is significant to her. We're painting a room in our house right now. I'll just let that hang out there. That's all I need to say, right? In the context of this question, what does my wife want. Do we know what Jesus wants? Do I have an intimate understanding of what Jesus wants? What I find in our text this morning, chapter 5, verse 12, is that Luke is answer, helping to answer that question. I think maybe he's even anticipating this question. 
of what does Jesus want? Who is Jesus? Why is he here? What is he doing? What does he really want for us and maybe from us? So we pick it up in chapter 5, verse 12. Jesus was in one of the towns. He is doing what he's, we saw that he began to do, his ministry. He's traveling, he's teaching, he's healing, and he's in one of the towns, and a man was there who had a serious skin disease, and Luke makes sure we know that it's all over him. Okay, he didn't have a pimple. I just want to be clear. He didn't go, you know, I got a date tonight, and I got a pimple here. Can, this is a problem. No, no, no. It's much, much, much. You're not laughing. You look at me like. He has a serious physical need. Now, the word here is the word that we translate leprosy or leper. We, we, we don't really know that it's leprosy, but we know that it's a skin disease. What does that mean? It means that it's visible, and it's going to have a significant impact on his life and his relationships. He had a serious skin disease. It could be implying that eventually it would be fatal. And he saw Jesus, he fell face down, and he begged him, Lord, if you are willing, and the word for willing here that Luke uses is the word want. It's the word desire. He's saying in, in our day, he would say, if you really want to, if you really want to, you can, dunamis, we get the word dynamite, it means power, explosive power. He says, if you want to, if you have the desire, if you're willing, you can, you have the power to make me clean. Reaching out his hand, he touched him. Are you catching the significance of this moment? Let me help us. There was a man who had a serious skin disease all over him, and Jesus touched him. This word for touch is not, oh, that's, it's not a, it's not a golf touch. You know what I mean by a golf touch? Golf clap? You know, it's not, okay, that, okay, dear, that's okay. No, it means to grab a hold of something. It's like many of you this morning, you embraced, you put hands on shoulders, you grasped hands. It's an intentional contact. He touches him and he says, I am willing. I do want to. Jesus, if you want to, you can make me clean. Jesus says, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to make you clean. Immediately the disease left him. And then he ordered him, he tells this man, don't tell anyone, tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses prescribed for your cleansing or your purification as a testimony to them, to the priests. We'll talk about that, why that's significant in a moment. But the result of this healing was that news about him, about Jesus, spread even more, and large crowds would come together. The word got around even, even more, and anyone who had a need, they began to crowd around him. They wanted to hear him, and they wanted to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he, Jesus, often withdrew to de deserted places, not, not desert like we had this morning, deserted meaning like a desert, solitary places. And he prayed. I want to answer this question this morning for us, for me, for you, for us. What does Jesus really want? Do we know what he wants? And I'm going to make some suggestions from our text. The first one is this. More than a suggestion, I really believe this with conviction. What Jesus wants is he wants to make us clean. He wants to make us 
clean. Luke picks specific words for a specific reason. He, remember, he's helping us, he's helping Theophilus to be confident of the things that we've been taught. We want to bring Jesus into clear focus in 2020. We want to have 2020 vision to see Jesus clearly. And this is a big part of seeing him clearly to understand intimately what he wants. What he wants is to make us clean. To make us clean. Now, the implication of this man's physical disease is much bigger than, his, than physical you see, in his day, he, because of this disease and because of his label, do anybody know what his label was? That he was, in fact, unclean. In fact, historical records tell us that, that people in this condition had to do something to warn everyone else in the culture that they were unclean, ring a bell. Or some would just say they'd walk, their whole life in public would be unclean, unclean, unclean. They would hear their own voice proclaiming this everywhere they went. I'm unclean, I'm unclean. I'm, what does that mean? It means you can't come near, I can't come near you. It means I can't have a job. It means I'm not invited to anything. I wouldn't be welcome in the synagogue. I wouldn't be welcome in church. I wouldn't be welcome at family gatherings. In fact, I was an outcast to live outside of the community. I have no community because I'm unclean. So when this man walks up to Jesus or he falls at his feet and he says, if you want to, I know you have the power. If you want this for me, I know you can make me clean. Don't miss the words of Jesus. He says, oh, I'm willing. That's exactly what I want to do. And he backed it up by take, reaching out with his hand and putting his hand on this man. Now, I can't prove this. But I'm of the mind that this man either for all of his adult life has never had physical touch. It's possible this was from birth that he maybe has never experienced human touch. It's possible that his whole life or at least his whole adult life that he's been unclean. He's never been embraced. He's never experienced a greeting at church. He's never been invited to anything. All he has heard, all he has experienced is you're unclean, you're unclean, you're dirty. Nobody wants to touch you. Nobody wants to be around you because you are unclean. What Jesus wants to do for this man, does he want to heal him physically? Yeah, because he does it. But I think it's much more significant than just the physical healing. It's changing a man from being unclean, a woman, a person, from being from the inside and from the outside, everything saying you're unclean to now being, say it, clean. Say it again. Clean. clean. Isn't there just, there's something that, that's so, it's so good to be clean. I did power washing yesterday. You know what power washing is? That thing that, you know, that, you know the big giant thing. And so I'm clean in the backyard. I'm trying to clean up the back. And it's blowing leaves and worms, you know, worms get into the leaves, sorry to gross you out, but there were worms and there were all kinds of stuff and it's blowing all over the place. And so I had a day of work and, did, and I was getting ready to, it was dark and we're in the house and I remember I think I'd probably take a shower and as I'm getting ready to take a shower, I do that and guess what? I got bits of, well don't say that out loud, but yeah, I have, I have bits of, of debris in my hair and, my, and you know, and then I take a shower and there's soap and there's shampoo and I get out and there's, you know, deodorant, all this, you know, this amazing stuff we have and I come walking, I'm clean. There's something good about being clean. 
What does Jesus want for you and me? What does Jesus want for this world? What does Jesus want to do for individuals? He wants to make us clean. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of verses. I don't have time to go into all of these, but I think there's slides, and so I want to make sure you capture them, maybe write some of these down. It's interesting. He tells this man to go to the priests and say, hey, I need to bring this offering to be to prove, to show that I've gone from unclean to clean. And we kind of read over that. And what in the world? Well, if you want to know more, there's a whole chapter on this, Leviticus chapter 14. There's a whole chapter that lays out, and I'm not going to read all of it. It's so, it's expansive, it's detailed, it's specific. But in verse 18, it says this of Leviticus chapter 4. This was what Moses had prescribed, what he'd received from God and given to the people of Israel. For someone who was unclean, for whatever reason, now becoming clean. The priest shall make atonement, make atonement for him, the person before the Lord. Then the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering, their shedding of blood, and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So, or in this way, the priest shall make, say it again, atonement, that's not by accident, for him, and he shall be clean. What we have in Leviticus 14 is a picture of the work and the person of Jesus. It's not by accident that Moses uses the word, God gave it to him, atonement. Atone, you'll see it all through chapter 14. Atonement. There needs to be cleansing because we're all not clean. And if we want to be a part of the community, if we want to be before God and before one another, there needs to be a process to bring cleansing. And you notice there is sacrifice, there is death, there is shedding of blood, so that there is atonement. Atonement is made, and that person is clean. Look at um, Psalm 51, the heart of David. David prays. Was David clean? If you know anything about Psalm 51 and what it follows, what it's connected to, in this point in his life, is David clean? No. He's an adulterer and he's a murderer. And then he's a conspirator. He's trying to cover it up and hide it. And as God works on him and, and brings him to repentance, he writes this in Psalm 51. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion, that's sin, going my own way, and wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. Dropping down to verse 7, purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. See, David understood that God's heart has always been to take the dirty and make it clean. Some of us in this room need to hear that this morning. This is what you're here for. The rest you'll just block out. You walked in here feeling unclean, feeling dirty. Everybody in your life, your circumstances, your choices all speak to how unclean you are. And then there's this voice inside of you that affirms it, agrees with it. I'm unclean, I'm dirty. Nobody, if anybody knew how dirty I was. And Jesus says, what I want for you is to make you clean. Jesus, if you're willing, I know you have the power if you were just, if, I know you have the power. What I really, really want to know is, are you willing? Do you have a desire to clean, make me clean? And Jesus says, yes, it's exactly what I want to do. 
I want to make you clean. David understood God's heart. Isaiah chapter 1, here's God's heart. Here's God speaking. Come, and it's in the context of, man, you people are so messed up. You're so unclean. Come, let us discuss this situation, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, the imagery there is that you take a white cloth and you dip it in red scarlet dye, and it soaks up so that when you pull it out, all you see is scarlet. All you see is blood red. He says, you're covered, you're penetrated, your sins have, have, have so consumed you that you're, you're just colored red, you're scarlet, but they will be white as snow. Now, I can't give you a picture of how to do this. I can't, I can't paint a picture of taking a red, dark red, bloody rag and dipping it in something and pulling it out pure white. See, humanly, I'm thinking that's pretty impossible I don't care if it's pure bleach, but Jesus says, what I want, my heart, let's talk about this. I want you to understand that you're that bloody, that scarlet rag, and I just want to make you white. White as snow, I want to cleanse you. Though they were red as crimson, they shall be like wool. The apostle John wrote in 1 John, you remember these words, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, if we agree with God, if we agree with God that he has the power and he also has the desire. I'm wrong, you were right. He is faithful, he is righteous, he forgives us of our sin, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. How many times have you quoted that verse to yourself in your head and missed or just kind of by that point, oh, I just, yeah, No, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He takes our scarlet rags and he makes them white as snow. What does Jesus want? Jesus wants to make me clean. Go back to our text in Luke chapter 17, or verse 17 of chapter 5. After this encounter with this man, Luke continues his narrative, and he says it's on one of those days while he was teaching, one of these teaching moments, so we, we just, we saw again this reinforcement of Jesus's ministry. What does he do? He travels from place to place. Sometimes he goes into the synagogue. It begins there, but he begins to teach, and large crowds gather around him, and somewhere in that encounter, somewhere in that pattern, people begin to bring sick and diseased and word has gotten out that he can do what no one else has ever, we've ever seen happen before. And so people are being healed and the crowds are crushing. We saw that a couple weeks ago or last week in the boat. He had to go out into the boat. And then Luke says in the midst of all this, Jesus gets to isolated places and spends some time alone with his father in prayer. That's not the focus of this morning, but I hope some of you just maybe mark that and you know who you are that needs to mark that. Jesus regularly got alone to deserted places, isolation with him and the Father. And as his ministry continues, it's one of these days while he's doing this, he's teaching Pharisees. This particular moment, Luke notes that Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had joined the crowd. Pharisee, teachers of the law, okay. teacher, Pharisee teacher of the law, Pharisee for sure. (laughs) You get the point? They're sitting in the crowd. They're taking this all in. 
They had purposely come to this moment, and they're sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. What was the power in him to heal? It was, in fact, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was present. He was at work, and Jesus had power to heal. And as this is unfolding or as this is happening, some men came They're carrying on a mat, a man who was paralyzed. Physically, he could not walk. Maybe his upper body was paralyzed as well. We're not given a lot of details. This word paralyzed means to be weak. It means that something can't do what it's it's intended to do. It can't sustain its responsibilities. So I, I I personally, I think it's his legs. I think his legs are probably contorted. They're, They're probably very skinny. They don't appear to be able to, they just have that look about him that he couldn't stand. He's paralyzed. And he's brought to Jesus by these friends, but there's a problem. They try to bring him in and they try to set him down before him. How rude he's teaching. You can smile, it's all right. All they have on their minds and on their hearts is getting some help for their friend. But they can't get him to Jesus. They can't get him to set him before Jesus. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof of the building and they lowered him on the mat through the roof tiles. What an interesting statement. If you've done any kind of work or construction around your house, you know that nothing is ever that simple, right? I, I was trying to hang a TV yesterday and behind the sheetrock is this whole mystery world, right? Of, uh, I found there's a water pipe back there. Okay, I'll get briefly, I'll tell you another story. When my son was living with us, we put a TV in the garage and we were trying to get an internet line to that TV to, to play video games on it. Not me, him, but to, and so he goes, hey, can I just back drill through this, this, this wall here and put it into the garage? I go, yeah, sure, go ahead. I'm on the other side. Well, it's not through yet. And he's, he's like, well, it keeps going through something. Oh man, I don't know what it is. So we take off the sheetrock, we drew right through the sewer pipe from upstairs. Big hole right through the sewer pipe. So nothing is just as simple as oh they just lowered him down through the through the through the roof. This isn't this is some intentional effort and and thinking, right? Well, what if we take him up on the roof? Well, what kind of roof is it? Well, it's got these tiles and there's probably some boards underneath there and what are they 24 inch on center? I don't know what they're in those. But you know we got to go up there and these four guys begin to tear apart the roof. That's what they're doing. And they get a hole big enough to let him through. Now, here's where mine goes. My mind goes. When you're doing something like that up on a roof, what is happening down below? Right? So here's Jesus teaching. Here's the Pharisees taking in what he's saying. And all this crowd is just crushing in. And I'll look up sometime. And pretty soon, everybody around you is looking. What? There's a hole. There. You know, and however it played out, this hole gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Finally, I just, this is so funny to me. All of a sudden, a person starts coming down on a couple of ropes. Now, again, I don't know what Jesus did. I don't know if he just kept teaching. You know, a kid runs around here, cries, makes noise, is on an iPad, woohoo, whatever. Phone goes off. What do we do? We just keep going, right? It's, we've embraced it. I think this was probably outside of the norm. So if all of a sudden sheetrock dust started falling, and all of a sudden... Pastor Jeff's curled up on a piece of plywood, and yeah, 
What would I do? I would, yeah, I what in the world? Jeff, what do you, you know? I think the whole crowd was captivated by what's happening. And I just, I just play this out of my head. You know, it probably goes on for a period of time that's a little awkward. What's going to happen? And probably nothing happens until finally the, you know, it actually hits the ground. And then we all look up and what do we see? We see four guys up there, hey, it worked, you know, they're looking down. And now there's this guy laying on a mat in front of Jesus in the middle of this crowd. And Jesus speaks, seeing their faith, he says, friend, he speaks to this man, friend, you're healed. Who's paying attention to their Bible or to the screen? Did I get it wrong? I did get it wrong, didn't I? He doesn't say you're healed. Now, I say it that way because I'm, if I'm in that crowd, I see, I'm, I'm watching this man, and then he, and I'm looking at him, and I go, oh, wow. I know, I, in fact, I think I know him. Look at his legs. Oh. oh, watch this. Watch. Joe, I don't think you were there last Wednesday when Jesus was teaching on the hillside, and remember I told you what he did? Watch this. I'm, dude, watch. He's going to heal him. His I'm telling you, it's the craziest thing you've ever seen. His legs are going to form, he's going to have muscles, and he's going to stand up, and it's going to be incredible. And Jesus says, friend, your sins are forgiven. See, Jesus not only wants to make us clean, he wants to set us free. But stay, stay with him for a minute. Because i got to tell you, my natural tendency is to see freedom physically, in terms of the physical world. It can be locked up. It can be financial. It can be relational, that I'm trapped or I feel trapped. Can it be, phys can it be health? That, I, that I'm enslaved, that I'm, I'm trapped by my circumstances. I'm a slave to my circumstances. And here's what I know, Jesus. If you would just heal this, then I would be free. But what Jesus knows and what he wants is to set us free from what truly enslaves us. And it's our sin. It's my sin. See, I can't serve two masters. I can have Jesus as my master or I can have sin. Whether it's expressed in, through money or bitterness and the different ways that it's, it's talked about in God's word. But I'm going to serve sin, serve the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, or Jesus is going to be my master. See, what really enslaves me is my sin. And when Jesus looks at this man, he looks beyond what all the rest of us are looking at. If I'm in that crowd, I, me and Joe are in that crowd, and we're like, dude, look at his legs. You know, it's one of those things where you don't want to look this rude, but you can't help yourself. How in the world? Oh. And Jesus looks at him and says, looks beyond all that. And says, your sins are forgiven. You're free. You're free. What does Jesus want? He wants to set us free from our sin. Your sins are forgiven. He knows what we truly need. I, I wrote this thought down. I, I put these thoughts in my notes sometimes, and sometimes I share them, sometimes I don't. But I want to share this one. Being forgiven is more important than being healed. 
Now, that's a hard thing to throw out there when in a crowd this size, we have people that have physical needs right now, serious physical needs. I know of people within, connected to this family that are in hospice. That means they're preparing to die physically. And I don't want to minimize that at all. I, you know, when I had this thing on my nose, I was a big baby. I got cancer in my nose, and he cut it open. It's like, ah, you know, you know, God heal me. You know, make it go, you know, get it all, and then make, it, make me handsome finally or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, ah, this is what is so, I get so wrapped up in it. But forgiveness of sin from God's heart to ours is more important than being healed. Sometimes he heals in miraculous ways, and sometimes he doesn't. But he has yet to turn away a solitary soul that says, Jesus, forgive me. In faith, you're the one. He's yet to turn away a single soul that's come to him and said, Jesus, I put my faith in you. And he says, your sins are forgiven. There's not a person in this room that is so dirty, that is so unclean, that if they came to Jesus, he would say, no, no, I don't forgive you. He wants to set us free, and he sets us free through forgiveness. So the reality is this. Here, why isn't everyone experience, why doesn't everyone experience this freedom? Some don't want forgiveness. You might be, there might be some here this morning. You know what? I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I want to keep living the life that I'm, that I'm living. Some don't believe forgiveness is possible. You've been carrying around guilt and shame for so many years that that's all you know. And you've just adjusted your life to live with the guilt and the shame rather than having faith, truly believing that you can be washed clean to be forgiven and set free from your guilt and your shame. Some don't know where to find forgiveness. How do we identify if we're in that group? It's, well, we're, we look like this. We're trying to find it. We're trying to earn it some other way. Some, some system some religion, some set of values, some, something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show God I know that I'm unclean and I know I have all these, these choices that I've made. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to really work hard at making good choices. And at some point, it's got to tip the scale at least a little bit. I hope. Some don't know where to find forgiveness. Where do we find forgiveness? We find it in the grace of God revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. It's that simple. It's that clear. You can ask yourself, what does Jesus want for me? He wants you to be clean. He wants to make you clean. What does Jesus want for me, from me, in, to do in my life? He wants to set you free from your sin and all that comes with it. All that comes with it. Now, you know, if you go back to the scene, this is not the end of the story, Verse 21, the scribes and the Pharisees begin to think, this guy here and, and this guy and, this, and, and these two, they're thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is this man who speaks blasphemy? Who is this man who claims that, he, that he's, he's claiming to be God because we all know that who can forgive sins but God alone? Are they correct? Yes, yes they are. They finally got it right in this one moment. 
Who can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. But perceiving their thoughts, knowing what they're thinking. Oh, that's funny what you're thinking right now. That's good. See, I'm just perceiving her thoughts. I'm not, but Jesus can. He knows exactly what they're thinking. And so he says to them, again, I, just, I would love to see their faces. They're just having these thoughts, maybe looking at each other a certain way. And Jesus says, why are you thinking this in your hearts? How does he do that? Why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you? You're, having, you're stuck on that. You have a problem with me saying that. Is it easier to say to someone your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say get up and walk to a man who has never been able likely to walk? Now catch what he says. So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So that you know who I am, friend, get up. Listen to what, this is how he says it. I tell you to get up, pick up this mat that was just lowered through the roof, and go home. What do you mean go home, Jesus? Walk home. Immediately he got up before them, he picked up... <laughs> Gives me goosebumps. Just think you're in this crowd. All that's been happening, this interchange, this, this crazy rooftop thing and all that's happening. And now Jesus says loud and clear, so that you may know who I am, that the Son of Man, Jesus, has authority on earth to forgive sins. I tell you, get up, pick up your mat and go home. When that man stands up, there were audible gasps in that room, in that place. There might have been weeping there was certainly shock and awe of the first century, shock and awe type. As he stands up and he walks, he went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded and they were giving glory to God and they were filled with awe, shock and awe, and said, we have seen incredible things today. This is un unbelievable. Joe, I'm so glad you were here this time because we're going to have coffee tomorrow. Oh man, this is incredible. What does this mean? Now, follow the logic of Luke here, and we have a, we have, I want you to see this on the screen. What happens first? Jesus forgives sins. Only God can forgive sins. The Pharisees, you're right. Jesus is Theophilus, I want you to be certain of the things that you've heard that you've been taught. Jesus forgives sins. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus is God. Or he's a liar. I choose God. Here's the third thought as we wrap this up. He wants us to be clean. He wants to set us free. I think there's a, there's a nuance here, but it's intimate and I think it's critical. Jesus wants you and me to know that he forgives sin. See, what I said before about those three categories, I think a lot of us, or some of us, I can't say a lot, I say this because I see us struggling with seeing ourselves as unclean still sometimes. And I interact with people, and I look in the mirror too, and I, I, I still sometimes feel that, that weight of, of guilt and shame, and I'm, I'm a sinner, and and this week I sinned, and what do I do with this? What, what is my identity in Jesus? 
He says, well, I want to make you clean, and I want to set you free, but there's, one, there's the third really important piece of this, Kurt, that he says, I want you to know that I forgive you, that I am the source of forgiveness. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You're not going to f- f- experience cleansing and freedom and forgiveness anywhere else. Nothing you can do, nothing this church can do, no human being, no no set of circumstances. You will not find cleansing, freedom, and forgiveness anywhere else. Jesus wants us to know that. He sets himself up and says, this is me, this is what I want. Oh, I want to wash you clean so badly. I want you to know what it feels like to be clean I want you to be free. Can I bring this with me? Is that all right? Sorry. I want you to be free. I want you to be set free from sin. And I want you to know that it's me that loves you so much that I will forgive you. What does Jesus want? He wants you to know that. Now, let me give you two verses, and the worship team should be moving. This is the clue. Okay? What do I do with this? First of all, you embrace it. Well, that's easy. No, it's not. Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Thursday night. You just said something to your spouse that you shouldn't have said. You just watched something on TV that you shouldn't have watched. You had a thought. You had a, a, a desire. You had a craving that you shouldn't have had. You said, well, that's not sin. No, but you, you kind of let it have a home in your head for a while. You following me? And in those moments, we, we're, just, we're, we're caught in this, this cycle of, I'm, oh, see, I'm just, I'm no good, I'm just worthless, I'm dirty, I'm unclean. So to embrace it is by faith. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says he wants to wash me clean. And you know what else Jesus said? Jesus said he wants to set me free. He no longer wants me to be a slave to the old man, that I am now can, I'm free to follow him and live for him. And you know what else Jesus says? Just in case you weren't listening, he forgives me. He forgives me. Got to embrace that by faith. And the second word is just a phrase, whatever, is live it. Live it. Should that not be our primary characteristic as followers of Jesus? And I'm looking at a married couple with 49er jerseys on. Okay? I wasn't going to say 49ers at all in the message, but there I, I failed. <laughs> Should not this marriage relationship be characterized by two people who are living it, interacting with each other as clean, as free, and forgiven? Yeah? Will that shape how you treat your husband? Absolutely. Will that shape how you treat your wife and your daughter, one another? We got to live it. If we believe this, if we, we embrace it by faith, then it needs to show up in everything that we do and say. Starting with right now in this moment, who is it that is invited to the table? And what does Jesus want when you walk up to the table this morning? I'll tell you what he wants. He wants you to remember. Do you know what he wants you to remember? He wants you to remember that that bread and that cup, what he did on the cross was to make us clean. And he wants you and I to remember that what he wants is for us to be free. 
and what you and I eat and drink, and we remember, we remember that we are free. We are set free. We are forgiven because of, finally, Jesus. Not because you come to the table, not because you come to church, not because you're better than the person next to you. I am forgiven, I am free, I am clean for one reason, or maybe better said, one person, Jesus Christ. So who should come to the table this morning? Those who have embraced by faith the grace of God through Jesus Christ and need to remember that who we are in Christ is clean, free, and forgiven. Can I get a little amen?